Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to episode 162 of Unabridged. Today, we are discussing reading challenges for 2021. Before we get started with our episode today, we wanted to shout out our Unabridged ambassadors. We love them so much, and they are such a help to us. They support us in so many ways, and we wanted to say to you all who are listening, if you're looking for a way to get more involved in Unabridged, our ambassador program is a great way to do that. And you get some swag and you get to participate in the community a bit more and you have some say in the things that we discuss and the books that we read and that kind of thing. If you're interested, you just go to our website, unabridgedpod.com ambassadors. And there you can find out more about it and sign up. We'll get started today like we always do with our bookish check-in. Sarah, what are you reading? So I'm cheating a bit today because actually I've had a very good start to the year with my reading. So I've read <laughs> I've read several books and I am reading a couple right now, but I just finished Colin Jost's A Very Punchable Face and I just wanted to cheat and talk about it because I loved it so much. I listened to it on audio, so he reads it. And if you don't know who Colin Jost is, he is a head writer on SNL, and he also co-hosts Weekend Update every week on Saturday Night Live. I realized that I should probably have not used that acronym. <laughs> I said it out, so I'm doing it backwards. But he, he co-hosts Weekend Update, which is a, an iconic sketch on Saturday Night Live. And the book is about his growing up on Staten Island. It's about his education and how he became a writer and what he did. And it is hilarious at times, but he has a chapter dedicated to his mom who works for the fire department and, and in government as a doctor in New York City and about her involvement in helping during 9-11. And I mean, he has so much respect and love for his mom. And that's those that story and what he said about her, I was sobbing. Aww. So, I mean, there are all these highs and lows and it is just... It is a great book. I mean, and I definitely think that you miss out on something if you don't listen to him read it and tell it in his own world words. But I mean, he is very funny. And I think you see that on Saturday Night Live. But I feel like in the book, like writing and him getting because he's a head writer, you know, so him getting to put into words his story and then read it to the listener. It just it was a great experience. So that is Colin Jost's A Very Punchable Face. And I highly recommend it. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was great. I'm I'm really into at the moment trying to find funny people who have written books and then read the audio. So mm -hmm. I have found a few more that I have on my list and I'm hoping to start those because I just really enjoy that experience. Yeah, that's great. 
Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. What about you, Jen? What are you reading? So it's funny that you cheated because I was almost going to cheat because (laughs) I just finished a fairly mediocre book that I didn't want to talk about. And so I was going to go back. I'm going to say it anyway and say Aiden Thomas's Cemetery Boys is amazing. And both of you should read it because you will love it. But the book I'm actually going to talk about, I'm deciding not to cheat technically because I started this last night and almost couldn't go to bed because it was so compelling. So this is one I have thanks to NetGalley. It is Ashley Schumacher's Amelia Unabridged, which I did not pick because of the title, even though I think it's great. And (laughs) this is a YA novel. It opens when Amelia's father leaves with this really much younger woman who's basically Amelia's age. And She's really desolate. And so she goes to the bookstore and she's just hanging outside, looking in. And this girl from her school who she doesn't know very well, pops her head out and was like, you need to come in here. And she does. And they become best friends. And it flashes forward several years later and they've been best friends. So Amelia's mom, it does not have a lot of money. But her friend Jenna's parents are wealthy and they really take Amelia under their wing. They pay for her to have a lot of opportunities that she wouldn't otherwise have. And they're getting ready to start the summer before college. And Jenna's parents pay for them to go to this book festival. So other than Jenna, the thing that has gotten Amelia through not having a very involved mom and not having her dad around has been books. And in particular this series written by a guy who is around their age. It reminds me a lot of Aragon in the way it's described that it's this really young guy and he's, he's pretty reclusive. He doesn't go out into the public a lot, but he's supposed to be at this book festival. So they go to the book festival. This is a little spoilery, but I double checked and it's in the description. So I'm just going to say it. They go to the book festival and it turns out that while Amelia is in the bathroom, Jenna meets the author, he has an anxiety attack, and he leaves. And so Amelia does not get to see him. So Amelia and Jenna have this conflict, and then Jenna leaves on a trip, and while she is gone, Jenna dies in a car accident. Oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) It is like, so then... Amelia is struggling to recover from having lost her best friends and the fact that they had had this fight right before Jenna left and she's just resolved that she's going to move forward. They were going to go to college together and she still has dinner every week with Jenna's parents. And she's like, I just have to live the life that we had planned to have together. And then she gets this special edition of the book that she absolutely loves from this bookshop in another state. And she's convinced that Jenna somehow set it up. And this is like her last connection to Jenna. And that is where I left off. So I don't know what's going to happen, but oh my goodness, I am so hooked. And as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to go read this book because it is beautifully written. It is so compelling. The characterization is really vivid. And I love, I kind of got like the fault in our stars vibes with the search for the author and someone whose work you just love beyond anything. And so I love the way she writes or she talks about how much she loves this trilogy. Well, soon to be trilogy. The last book's going to be published. And 
the way she just loves the story and the world building. And yeah. Oh my gosh. I hope it, I hope it, the whole thing is as good as it is right now because it's wow. amazing. So, so that had is- me for the car crash. And then I was like, Nope, that's good. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was reading in bed last night and I gasped. I just, I wasn't expecting it. I thought the same, Sarah, you know, that's like oh, a hard no for me. Oh my gosh. But it's so good. Yeah. It sounds great. That is Ashley Schumacher's Amelia Unabridged. So. All right, Ashley, what are you reading? So I am going to cheat also. <laughs> this was not planned. This is not because great I'm gonna for sh- our challenge episode, I have to say. <laughs> well, I just finished this one last night and I still want to talk about it. I finished this one last night and I am reading some other ones, but I absolutely loved this and it's just coming out in January. So I wanted to take a chance to share about it because I think I haven't seen a whole lot of buzz about it yet. And I just thought it was phenomenal. So for that reason, finished it last night, but do you want to talk about it? And it is Randy Pink's Angel of Greenwood. This is, and I got it thanks to NetGalley. This is a historical fiction, young adult novel, and it centers on the Greenwood Massacre in 1921 outside of Tulsa. So like Greenwood is part of Tulsa. It's often referred to as the Tulsa massacre, but Greenwood is the part that burned. And it is two young people, two teenagers, and you get both of their perspectives, Angel and Isaiah. And what I love about it is that in a lot of ways, so I went into it knowing I, I requested it because it was historical fiction. I thought it was so important to talk about. I did not know about that massacre until well into my adult life. So I think that, and then I was appalled that I had not known. So I think that I was excited to see that there was a young adult writer who's writing about this for teens and doing it through historical fiction, which I think is a great way to educate about things that have happened. And so all of that was really appealing to me. But what I loved once I was reading the story is that in a lot of ways, the story is about two young people who are coming of age and are falling in love. And that is what the story is about. But at the same time, there is this, there's a sense of dread for the reader because you know that this is coming. And you know, not just because like, I knew that it was referring to that, but also because in the chapters, it's counting down to the event. So you know that this event is coming. And so it's, I thought that all of that was just masterfully handled that they did not know. And yet we did. And so there's that feeling of foreboding. And yet for them, their lives are blossoming and these interesting things are happening. And they don't know that this atrocity is coming. And and yet I think all of it was handled really well. And I think even in the end, no spoilers, but you know, it, it felt hopeful. I mean, you again, you as the reader know that this horrible thing that happened in real life is going to happen. And yet I think that what I really appreciate is that Pink did nothing to diminish the atrocity itself, but still sowed hope into the story, which I think is, you know, so important for young people, especially when reading about that kind of event. So again, Angel and Isaiah, they are polar opposites in a lot of ways, but circumstances kind of force them together for a summer job. And so that precipitates them getting to know each other. And then that's where, you know, you see young love. I mean, it's a sweet romance story in a lot of ways. And then they have to navigate toward the end of the book, really. Because like I said, a lot of the story is really about coming of age and about them coming to understand themselves as individuals, but then they have to navigate this tragedy that occurs in their community. 
And the other thing I really loved about it is that Randy Pink does this amazing job of incorporating through the perspectives of Isaiah, who is a big believer in W.E.B. Du Bois's work, and Angel, who is a lover of Booker T. Washington's work, which again, I think very authentic to teens of the time, that they would be so familiar with these paragons and their work. Both of them were diehard for these two opposing perspectives. And so what I loved about the book is that I felt like without coming across as being heavy-handed, she also educates young people who might not know much Mm -hmm. about Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. She educates them about those two perspectives and the views that people had in the 1920s toward each of them. And I just thought all of that was just masterfully done. So again, I had to cheat because I really wanted to say, and I did just finish it last night, but I I was, I was, had high hopes going into it for all the reasons I shared. And then it was it exceeded my, my hope for it. And I think that's really hard for a book to do, but I just thought it was really beautiful. I think it is timely. It was painful to be reading it with some of the things that are going on right now in our world and seeing that a hundred years later, we're seeing some echoes of this exact same attitude and mentality, but it made me appreciate the book even more and how important it is for us to have those works out there that highlight the ways that these things have happened in the past. So again, that's Randy Pink's Angel of Greenwood and it is January, 2021 publication. That sounds really good. Yeah, it was so, it was phenomenal and and also quick. Like I felt like a lot happened. You know, a lot happened. She packed a lot in there, but it was not super long, and it moved really fast. That makes me think of two series recently that have handled the Tulsa race riots really well. And one is Watchmen, and one is Lovecraft Country. Had a really great mm. episode about the burning, and yeah. I remember that for Watchmen, but I hadn't seen it with Lovecraft mm-hmm. Country. I'll have to look for that. Yeah, it w- I mean, it was just one episode, but it was great. So to get us started on our reading challenges today, we are so excited. Many of you have probably already seen our announcement about this to be doing our own Unabridged Pod reading challenge this year for the very first time. Yay! <laughs> and part of why we decided to do that this year is because we each chose at least one challenge to participate in last year. And we documented that on the podcast. And all of us found that regardless of how successful we were, that we really were pushed by having a challenge, but not in a negative way. And so that was why we were like, you know, we want to do this for our community as well and and invite you to participate in our challenge because we found that it helped us grow as readers and that it was a really positive experience. So our challenge includes several things. You can find it on our website. It's unabridgedpod.com. It's up at the top, but if you do, um, if you want to go specifically to it, it's just unabridgedpod.com slash reading challenge 2021. So you can get to it that way and also print off our stuff so that, you know, I like to fill it out with my pencil. So if you are like me, then you can print off the materials there and also see all the links to things that we already have available. But I wanted to list what our challenge includes. So we have one behavioral science book, one romance by an author of color, a young adult or middle grade novel that has been adapted for screen. Our bonus one is to watch the adaptation as well. A fairy tale retelling, a retelling of a classic, a book from an author imprint, 
two books by an author written in different genres or for different age groups, and a graphic novel. And Sarah and Jim are going to talk a little bit about a few of the categories and also kind of our approach. So Jen, do you want to start us off and just elaborate a little? Yeah, so we want this to be, as Ashley said, something that will push you a little bit, but we don't want it to be intimidating at all. I know some of these categories, you might read it and be like, I don't know what that is at all. So I just wanted to hit on a couple of them. So the behavioral science book, for example, was inspired by our episode with Adam Shively, where each of us shared a behavioral science book. And really all that means is it's a book that helps you modify a behavior. So that can be something that's helping you build good habits or be more organized or get your house in order. Anything like that would count. And honestly, you are the one who decides if it counts. So we are not going to sit in judgment of your choices. <laughs> we are going to say, oh, look, they participated in our challenge and we're going to be really thrilled. So whatever <laughs> that means to you, it counts. Another one that I think might strike you as funny right off the bat is a book from an author imprint. This one is inspired first by Rick Riordan Presents, which is a spinoff of his own Percy Jackson books. So he has been doing a great job having these books that honor own voiceless authors who are writing about the mythologies of their own cultures. So he said he felt like he wanted to address those, but he wasn't the person to write about them. And so I think Author imprints are a great way for authors to support others who maybe are just getting a start. So Nicola and David Yoon have one that's coming out. You may not be able to read for it this year, but that'll be out next year. Phoebe Robinson has one. So we will cover a lot of those, but just realize there are multiples out there for different age groups and different types of books. And we will be publishing bookish faves and episodes that complement all of these different categories for our reading challenge. So you won't be out there alone. So definitely be on the lookout for our bookish faves that publish every Monday. And we will have lists and suggestions covering all of these topics so that you can either find something off that list or be inspired by something on that list and then find your own thing. And finally, we are also utilizing our Facebook group. We haven't done a whole lot in that space so far, but that separate from our page, the group is going to be a great place for anybody who wants to participate to share books that you're reading, ideas that you have for the different topics. And so that's another great place to join. And you can do that from our website. So we are all thrilled about getting that started. And we have really appreciated the excitement we've gotten from from the community so far. And so we just can't wait to hear what you're reading and how the journey is for you. But we also, as we did last year, wanted to each choose another challenge to participate in. So we're going to share a little bit about each one we chose and why we chose it. Sarah, do you want to share yours? I am going to be doing Beyond the Bookends 2021 Reading Challenge. Beyond the Bookends is a blog that I follow and I also follow both of the curators and writers of the blog on Instagram. Their challenge was one of the ones I considered last year. And what I really, I think, learned from last year is that I need something that I need to try something more specific this year because last year I just did like read your backlist. And so I wanted to, and I failed miserably, as you all know, from our our update on that challenge. So I really want to be feel successful this year. And so I decided that maybe I needed to do something that was a little more specific. And so I found that as I was looking through everything, I'm not a person who's going to be able to read like 60 books or do 
kind of what Jen is able to do with her challenges. I really wanted to stay true to myself and just stay in my lane <laughs> for lack of a better term. So I chose beyond the bookends. There is, it's one book a month. There's a one prompt a month that felt really doable to me. I have to say over the last couple of weeks, I was like, I didn't read very many books this year and I was feeling really bad. And so I actually had shared with me last year, this spreadsheet that she used. So one night I just went through all my stuff and went and actually documented everything that I've read. And I read 58 books. So then, so then this, it made it seem like I can do the unabridged challenge and beyond the bookends challenge. And that's not going to be hard. So I was, I was proud of myself. So I'm going to do this challenge. It seems doable. There, there are categories, but they're not super obscure. And everything that they listed on the challenge, I really am interested in reading for the prompt. So I felt like that was a good start. So that's what I'm going to do. And they have a page that we'll link to, and it's just called the 2021 Beyond the Bookends Reading Challenge. So I'm really excited to try it out this year. That sounds great. That sounds like a lot of fun. What about you, Jen? What did you choose this year? So I have, oh, before I do that, I want to say if you sign up, if you subscribe to our website or our newsletter, you can get that tracking spreadsheet. So if you want to do what Sarah did and keep track of all of your books for the year, and I do that a little obsessively. So we have two versions. We have a simplified version, and then we have the super Jen obsessive version. <laughs> and you can pick the one that you like better. But yeah, that's an easy way. I, I really like having that self-totaling challenge thing. I, you can figure out what genres you're reading if you want, or if you have other goals that you're setting for yourself. If you want to read more diversely, for example, you could make a column for that. But okay. And also before you move on, Jen, I just wanted to say that Jen also kindly made tabs this year that include the Tournament of the Books books and also a tab for our unabridged reading challenge book. So I do normally use the simplified spreadsheet that Sarah referred to, but I will be switching over because I like those tabs and utilizing the tabs to, to have a way to document because that was a struggle I had last year was documenting the challenge separately. And in the simplified spreadsheet, it was harder to do that. So I do think it's helpful to have those lists mm -hmm. on hand when you're trying to organize yourself. Anyway, go ahead, Jen. What'd you choose? So one of mine is a classic. It's it's the tournament of books and that's technically not a challenge. I just make it a challenge for myself. So as I have talked about exhaustively on the podcast, the tournament of books happens every March. It is one of my favorite book things. It is when bookish people take the March madness basketball bracket and put books in it instead. And they actually started it to show how ridiculous it was to have book competitions and to pick one book as being better than the other but it's also that they do that. So they, they have book matchups that are really random and then they will have an author or someone in publishing read the two books. There are no criteria. They just pick the one that they want to move forward. Some people take it really seriously and write tons of criteria. There have been people who threw them down the steps and whichever one landed on top, that one won. So it's really always really interesting to see who picked what, why, and sometimes to get really angry. There was one in the super rooster, <laughs> someone who absolutely infuriated me because they just refused to make a decision and flipped a coin and it made me really mad. But anyway, so that's the tournament of books. That is 16 books. And 
I've only, only last year was able to read all of them. That was the first and only time I've ever done that. So we'll see if I can do it again. I don't know. The other one is a much more general one. It's just the hashtag 21 backlist in 2021. Last year I did 20 backlist in 2020. I buy a lot of books, but I am also constantly putting books on hold at the library and getting ARCs and e-galleys from NetGalley and reading for the podcast and reading for Buddy Reads. And so I have all these great books sitting on my shelves that I never get to. And so the 20 backlist in 2020 forced me to read some of those books that I've spent money on and I thought I should do it again. So you can actually go on my bookstagram account and I have put a picture of the 21 books that I've chosen to read in 2021 if you are interested. We'll see how it goes this year. So That sounds great. I think that's a nice balance between the tournament of books that is very specific and then having a bit of a more open-ended one makes a lot of sense. What are you doing, Ashley? So I went and just Googled reading challenges and got some good lists of different ones that were going on. And I did feel kind of torn about it. I was attracted to doing the backlist as well. Like Jen said, I, I really have been trying to work through what I have but I could work harder at it. <laughs> but then but then I also was interested in doing something. So one thing that I had trouble with is that I didn't, as I talked about in our episodes before, I didn't balance myself very well. So then I was frantically reading. December was very hectic because I neither could successfully let go of finishing the challenge, nor could I finish it with dignity, grace, and time to spare. <laughs> and so... And so given that realization, I was looking for one that would kind of force me to be more balanced. And so this is the Uncorked Reading Challenge 2021. And it is a monthly, there is a topic per month. And so I'm interested to try that. In some ways, that was a little bit intimidating to me because we already have several things we read each month. But the topics are quite broad. And so I'm thinking that it should work. And then the nice thing is that it's balanced like month by month. So I hope to succeed each month. But if I don't, in some ways, then I just didn't. And, (laughs) and then I move on to the next month and I try again. And I think there's probably some good things because I really enjoyed the books I read for the challenge last year, but I did not enjoy the experience of realizing that I was desperate to finish them, but not having enough time. And so I think that's a good one. And I love, this is the uncorked librarian is the person. Christine is her name. And I was really intrigued by her account because she is both interested in drinking nice wine and also in travel and also in books. And all of those things are also very desirable to me. And finally, she's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. And that town has a very special place in my heart. I went to college near there and have spent a lot of time in Asheville and it's one of my most favorite cities in the world. And so all of that was really desirable to me. And so that that caught my attention and is why I gravitated toward it. But again, I think I felt like it was a practical choice for me because it's going to encourage me to do one a month. And I do think I can work through some backlists for a lot of the topics. And so I'm going to try to hit both those goals at the same time. So I feel pretty good about all that. And I also have realized I really enjoy the art of figuring out what you're like planning. I like the planning part. I like to print the page and jot down ideas. So I did that for this one. I remember I did Modern Mrs. Darcy last year and I loved doing it for that one as well. I will be doing that for our unabridged challenge 
And I think that was a good thing to learn about myself, that I enjoy that process. And I think that's something I can incorporate in my reading life. Being aware that that's something I like to do is going to help me to reach some reading goals. So that sounds like a fun one. And I love the month, the month to month focus. I do that. There is something appealing about that. Yeah, I felt torn because in some ways it actually is more like 12 books is more than some of the other commitments. But then I really liked the idea that I'm only focusing on one at a time. So Mm -hmm. I thought that that was intriguing, especially in light of what I learned last year, which was I still had four substantial books to read in December, which were, of course, not the only things I was reading. And so so that was not great. That was not a great experience. I would like to avoid that. (laughs) (laughs) So again, we invite you to join us for our Unabridged Pod Challenge. You can do that by plugging in with us at Unabridged Pod on Instagram. We can get you hooked up there. But also you can go to our website, unabridgedpod.com slash reading challenge 2021. Anything you're reading for that, if you use the hashtag Unabridged Pod Reading Challenge, we will be running those in our stories and featuring everything that people share. So be sure to use that hashtag if you're involved so that we can plug in with you and see what you're reading. So we wanted to end today with our Give Me One, and our topic today is a favorite audiobook narrator. Jen, what's your pick? So I really love when there is a narrator who seems to match up really well with an author or a story. And so I'm recommending Jane Entwistle, who reads Alan Bradley's Flavia Deleuze Mysteries. She does such a good job of conveying that character who is this precocious 12-year-old. And she just does such a brilliant job of bringing that character to life that I look forward to her narration as much as I do the stories themselves. So that's Jane Entwistle. I love that narration. Oh my goodness. She, I, I read, I read the sweetness at the bottom of the pie after Jen talked about it and well, I listened to it on audio and she's fantastic. So good. That's what I can't wait to start that series. I'm really excited. And it's good to know about the audio. So maybe I'll try it that way. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? What's your pick? My favorite narrator is Bonnie Turpin. She she has a prolific catalog of books that she has narrated. I mean, there are a lot, and she is fantastic. She narrated the Hate You Give audiobook, Dread Nation, which was one of our book club picks several years ago, but her narration in that was fantastic. I think that increased the enjoyment of that book, that particular book for me, because that that was a that was a stretch for me because I'm not into zombies and all that. But I thought that I liked the book because Bonnie Turpin was the narrator. And then The Sun is Also a Star, which Mm. we love Nicola Yoon. And that was one that she wrote, but then I listened to and Bonnie Turpin was great. So she is fantastic. She brings so much life to the story. And I always, when I look for audiobooks, I always look to see if she is the narrator. So I love her. Yes, I've listened to a couple of hers as well and love her narration. Same. Ashley, what are you choosing? So I, my pick is Marin Ireland. I was, this was hard for me because I, I do think a lot about the narrators. I Like Sarah said, it makes a huge difference in the story. And so there are several that I've really enjoyed, but she does several of Frederick Bachman's books and I recently listened to Anxious People, which was 
phenomenal, I thought. And I absolutely loved the book and I also loved her narration. And she also did Beartown. I listened to that one as well. And I have to say that when I looked to see other books, to see if I had listened to others by her, she did Leave the World Behind. And I am, did you all listen to that? Yes. No, I read that. I listened print. to it. So I am intrigued because both of you were like, Ashley, I don't think you're going to like the book, but you know that, you know, it's been wildly popular. People have so much to say about it. It's gotten all these awards. So, you know, I was already intrigued, even though you were like, Ashley, don't read the book, which should be a reason to not read the book. But then when I saw that she narrated it, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I probably I probably will listen because it was on Libro FM and I have access. And then when I saw she was the narrator, I was like, I'm here for that. So. I will report back about whether that was a good decision or not. But anyway, I just think she's amazing. I feel like her narration is, I think in some ways it's pretty understated. There are other narrators who do more with their voices and stuff, but she never distracts from the story. And in Frederick Bachman's books, I think that is like, I just love his work. I've talked about how much I love it and I love it both on print and listening, but I think that she never distracts from that, which I think is hard to do in, in some books. And so again, she's one of, one of my favorites, Marin Ireland. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited to get going with our reading challenges for 2021. We're looking forward to a great reading year and we can't wait to hear what you all are reading and once again, if you want to get more plugged in with Unabridged, you can do that through Unabridged Ambassadors, unabridgedpod.com slash ambassadors, or you can join us with the reading challenge and just let us know that you're participating by using our hashtag UnabridgedPod reading challenge. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 